Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 292nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebound, it's May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you guys once again today. And uh, we got a doozy uh, of, of an episode coming your way because uh, we got a great interview uh, for you guys. We got the chance to speak with former Carolina basketball player, 2017 Final Four Most Outstanding Player, and national champion Joel Berry. Of course, you see him now on the ACC Network covering ACC and Carolina basketball, also doing some work on the Tar Heel Sports Network as well. And we had a chance to talk with him about a multitude of different things, including the start to the season, maybe changing the criteria to get Armando Baycott's jersey in the rafters, his journey into broadcasting, and so much more. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with former Carolina basketball player Joel Berry. We are now joined by former Carolina basketball player Joel Berry, the most outstanding player of the 2017 Final Four. Of course, that makes him a national champion. You know him. You love him. He is Joel Berry. Joel, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm glad I'm here with y'all. Uh, all is well, uh, family is well, and, and it's basketball season, so um, everything's great on my court. <laughs> Well, that's that's definitely glad to hear you mention that basketball is here. Big weekend in, in, in college basketball. Um, headlined by Carolina and Kentucky, getting it, uh, get, getting together on the hardwood uh, in Atlanta this weekend. Joel, the Tar Heels have played nine games so far. They're seven and two. They're ranked inside the AP top ten. You were there on opening night against Radford. You you, you follow this team uh, very closely. What is your assessment of the Tar Heels season so far? Yeah, I think where 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 Carolina is right now, um, it, they're in a great place. You know, you look at the two losses that they've had, Villanova, which you know, 
it's kind of looking like a bad loss, but I'm sure Villanova, you know, with their history, um, they'll get it going in the right direction. I mean, you talk about UConn. I mean, that 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 what UConn did was very impressive. Um, you know, coming off a game against Kansas, and you know, Carolina did the same thing defensively, so they were able to just pick them apart. But you know, I'll take those two losses. Um, but most importantly, it's just the way that they've been playing. The continuity is there. Um, they have some playmakers in pretty much every single position. They have balance. Um, you know, if there's one thing that I can nitpick on, it's just getting better defensively. But I like where they are, and I like the direction that they're going. A big reason why, Joel, this team is trending in the right direction has been the play of R.J. Davis averaging over 21 points per game despite shooting just 44% from the field and in the mid 30% from behind the three-point line. He's taken a big step forward now that Caleb Love is no longer in the backcourt. Did you expect to see the senior flourish this much this season? Um, you know, just from, you know, being myself and in, in the amount of work that you put in, um, I, I, you know, I can see it from that standpoint, but uh, this type of the way that he's been playing here earlier in the season, um, you know, I don't think anyone kind of expected that just because of the weapons that they have around them. Um, and, you know, last year it was just it, it was a tough year for not only the players, but for the fans as well. But, man, this is why this is why fans love four year players. They love seeing the development. They see the work that is being put in. And now you see a, a complete game that RJ is playing. You know, d- despite the, the percentages, I think that, you know, the way, the, what I love seeing from him is the way that he's doing it. You know, he's really not forcing it because he understands the guys that he's playing with. He knows that the ball will come back in my hand. I don't have to go and force a shot because I don't know if it'll get back in my hand at some point throughout the game. Um, he's allowing the game to come to him. He's playing with good rhythm. You know, he's he's sharing the ball. Um, all facets of his game are, um, are on point right now, and I love what I'm seeing from RJ. Uh, but like I said earlier, this is why fans and this is why college basketball they like seeing four-year players because this is the type of development that you see i want to go back joel to acc tip-off where the media was gathered together in charlotte you know filling out their ballots for the preseason uh going into the season and you didn't see rj davis's name on any preseason all acc teams wasn't on the (laughs) preseason you know acc player of the year watch none of that stuff were you surprised by that, or, or 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 did you see a reason as to why Davis was left off all the preseason awards list for the ACC going into the year? Yeah, you know, I it, it took a minute for me to realize that, like, yeah, you're right. I didn't, I didn't, we we weren't talking about him, and his name wasn't popping up anywhere. Um, and I think you know that's that that has to do with a little bit because uh, of you know Armando just how dominant he's been over the last couple of years. Um, and so I think that kind of, you know, put RJ in the shadow a little bit, but, you know, you pay attention to media. Um, and you know, sometimes coaches say block out the outside, but I say embrace it. You know, you don't want it to be a huge, um, dictator of how you operate, but I love it because now, um, you go out there and you play with a chip on your shoulder and you let people know, like, I am a part of this team, and what I have to bring to this team is something that uh, shouldn't go unnoticed. So, you know, all that type of stuff, you know, those those 
preseason polls, you know, those are just for the fans and for the media to to see what what is going on and and you know toot their horn a little bit. But you know, all of this stuff is it, it's about putting it onto the court. And R.J. Davis is doing it um, better than anyone other than P.J. Hall right now. So uh, he wasn't on the list in the beginning, but he'll be on there by the end of the season. <laughs> That was that was spoken like a man that is now a part of the media, right, Joel? I mean, we know right. what it is. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's. I, I think he's definitely doing that. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch. But um, I mean, you and, and and Marcus Page were also up there. And look, you guys shared a backcourt. You and Marcus before he graduated from the program. Um, yeah. You know, then you know he, he moves on, and you sort of take over the lead guard spot. Have you seen you know some sort of similarities? between what we've seen from R.J. Davis this year to you when you were on the court and Marcus left and you eventually took over that lead guard spot? Yeah, I, I you can see it. You can, I definitely can see where you're coming from. Um, you know, me and Marcus, we play really well together just because Marcus was the type of player, like his IQ was off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he was um, – it it, it it was a good camaraderie between us in the backcourt, but I think that's just organic. You know, when someone leaves the program, whether they graduate, whether they transfer, um, I think there's, uh, you know, that next step in your development. And I think that's what we're seeing from RJ um, in his development. Just now playing alongside a guy in Elliot Cadeau, who is, uh, you know, a past first point guard. Um, but I see some similarities from that standpoint in that, you know, me and Marcus, we worked really well together. Um, we weren't out there hunting shots. You know, we just mm-hmm. took the shots that we um, thought were the best shots. And then, you know, obviously if there's someone, if Marcus had the hot hand or bi- vice versa, um, you know, we just played the game to where, you know, it was get the ball to that person. So I think, you know, it's a little bit of both, you know, Caleb Love leaving the program, but also just RJ taking that next step and, um, stepping up and being the scorer for the for Carolina. Well, you mentioned Caleb Love and him leaving the program. You know, we've kind of been asking a lot of the former players that have come on with us. You know, as a former Tar Heel, how do you think Carolina went about handling the transfer of of Caleb Love from Carolina? What did you think about that whole situation? Yeah, I think there was just everyone from the outside writing their story into all. Up to all of what was going on um obviously there wasn't there there seemed to be some stuff going on especially when you saw on the court you know just the the continuity wasn't there between those guys but um you know i i i think it was best for both for both worlds um and that's what's so great about the transfer portal is that you don't have to leave um, in a nasty way, you can leave on mutual ground. And I thought that, um, you know, that it was handled really well. Um, and now Caleb Love is in a position where he's playing for the number one team in the country right now. Um, and is playing really good basketball. And uh, they're the hottest team in the country right now. So um, I'm very happy for him and what he's doing and seeing him take that next step in his game. Um, and so I, I thought it was handled well, and I thought it was, you know, a mutual thing between both Carolina and Caleb. And uh, like I said, the transfer portal, this is what you want to see guys going somewhere where they can take that next step in their development. 
Well, RJ's been tremendous, but another guy that I think has just been outstanding in the early part of the season has been Harrison Ingram. He has more than lived up to the hype since transferring oh, yeah. in from Stanford. You know What impresses you the most about his game from what you've seen so far? Well, first off, um, I just love the dog that he brings to the team. Um, you know, when kind of like you, huh? On, um, and even when his teammates are on, you know, he's clapping. You know, he's telling the guys, man, look, you're too little, man. You can't handle me down there. Um, and I just, you know, I love all of that because I think that's what was missing from Carolina is that uh, that 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 type of dog and that type of grit from someone. And he brings that. And when I talk about his game, you know. He's just very, um, he's very multidimensional. You know, he can drive to the basket, and if someone cuts him off, he can turn that option into another option so fast to where he's posting up now. And now he can go against, you know, if there's a mismatch or even, I mean, I saw in the, in the UConn game going against Alex Caravan, being able to back somebody down that's, you know, equivalent in size. So he just brings a different dimension to this team. Um, he can shoot it from the outside, can get into the paint. Uh, I just like I just like the type of uh, just multidimensional that he brings, where he can have the inside outside game, where you're not focusing on or having to, to depend on Armando Baycott to get the post uh, game going. Well, we talked about the two guys that have gotten off to the hottest start. And Jay Williams, uh, your colleague over at ESPN, said something that was pretty interesting uh, at the halftime of the UConn game. He said that Carolina can win a national championship if Harrison Ingram becomes the primary focus on offense. Do you agree with that statement, or do you think that it should probably still go in the hands of R.J. Davis uh, if this team's going to win a title? Um, I think that's what's so great about the team is that they have guys that, like Harrison Ingram won't always be on, so to have another guy mm-hmm. like RJ who can go out there and get you some baskets and, and, and be the uh, go-to guy you know, for that game, I think that's what makes them great. I thought in the UConn game they should have kept going to him because Alex Caravan and UConn couldn't stop him in the post. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can agree with um jay williams and um in some way because just harrison ingram brings something that's different um he can like i said he can shoot it from the outside but he can you can also play through him in the post um and make teams react and have to double team and then now he turns into a playmaker and he's a willing passer and i think that's what jay williams was looking at because this guy is so multi-dimensional and can do so many different things that it forces defenses to have to react and change what they're doing. And now you can play from there because we all know the game is read and react. And so if you can get Harrison Ingram going from the post, now you just bring a different dynamic to your team. So I think from that standpoint, I can definitely see why Jay Williams thinks that, you know, uh, Harrison Ingram should be the focal point. But to be able to spread the ball out and have guys who can score the ball, that's what you want to have. You want to have balance throughout the team. Yep. We're talking with former Carolina basketball player and national champion Joel Berry. Now you can catch him on the ACC Network as an analyst, also helping out with the Tar Heel Sports Network as well. A few more questions for you, Joel, and we'll get you out of here. Um, You mentioned that the one area that you want to see Carolina improve the most is on the defensive end of the court, primarily in the half court. When you look at this roster, do you think this team – can take strides defensively, or do you think this is an off? Do you think this is a roster that's built to score the basketball, and they're going to struggle defensively all season long? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, first and foremost, this team can score the ball with anyone, so I think that'll be their bread and butter um, as the season goes along. You know, it's not saying they have to be the best in the uh, best in the country in defense, but they have to be a little better. You know, when you're scoring 85 points a game, sometimes you're not you're, you're not going to get to that average. Um, but when you have teams that are scoring 73 points a game, you know, there's not a there's there's not a lot of margin there. Um, and in those games, when it gets to rock fights and it becomes, a, you know, you go up against a team that is able to score the ball just as well as you are, what's going to be the difference maker? And, and, and that's defense. So, you know, it doesn't have to be number one in the country um, type of defense. But, you know, right now, giving up 73 points a game um, or, or, yeah, 73 points a game, you know, you just can't can't give that much up because you have to think about, the times where you're not going to be able to put it in the basket, but I think offensively they're they're so uh, they're so dynamic on the offensive end um, that it will take care of itself. But like I said, you don't have to be number one in the country, but they have to get uh, get better um, defensively. After seeing how much Coach Davis has full court press in the early part of the season. Do you wish that Coach Williams would have used that uh, that you know that that defensive mindset back during your playing days, or did you prefer playing in the half court? No, sir, not <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> Look, I played I played overseas, and they had us pick up. They had the point guard pick up full court. Um, yeah, I would not want to do that because that wears the legs out. And when you get mid-season, man, it's hard to play that way mm-hmm. um, just because uh, it, it, it just it takes a toll on you. So to have it in the backpack, I would love, yeah. You know, some games require you to pick up the pace and make you get in, uh, have to press and go full court. But to do that uh, for a whole half or do that for a whole game, no, sir. well at least you were honest when you answered that one there Uh, that's and I'm with you we've talked about that a lot this year that it's a great tool for Carolina to have but when you look at you know West Virginia and all those years under Bob Huggins there's a reason why those teams fell short in March because well they were usually dog tired by the time they got to the tournament yeah you're talking to a national champion man it worked out it worked out um you know right and I like I like to shoot the ball and I don't like sliding my feet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, a, a constant under this program has been, you know, Carolina's going to rebound the ball as well as any team in the country. Your head coach, Roy Williams, emphasized that as much as any coach may be in the history of the sport. Carolina has struggled in, in some of their bigger games this year in that department. Hubert Davis may, met with the media yesterday and emphasized the rebounding area four different times. What player outside of Armando Baycott needs to become a bigger presence on the backboard for the Tar Heels? Well, when you look at a defensive effort, it's, it's you know it's easy to put it just on the five man, but uh, it's it's a team it's a team effort. Um, and specifically, I think it's the guards that have to be better. Um, the guards have to stick their nose in there and be able to help out because if Armando is going up against a guy who is a great rebounder, his sole job is to knock that guy out and not necessarily to grab the rebound, but sometimes just to move him out of the way so that other guys can stick their nose in there and grab rebounds. Um, that's one thing Coach Williams always emphasized with us is it, it, it wasn't up to Bryce. It wasn't up to Kennedy Meeks or Isaiah Hicks to get the rebound. It was a, it was a team effort. And most of you know, and he, he, uh, he emphasized that every single game that guards should get in there and have 
three or four rebounds because we can't just depend on the big man. And at the end of the day, you know, obviously Carolina wants to play fast, but you can't go to the offensive end if you don't have the ball in your hand. Um, so you got to be able to get in there and stick your nose in there and grab the rebound. So I wouldn't point out one specific person. I would say it just needs to be a team effort, um, especially when you have RJ and Elliott in being smaller guards. Everyone has to block out, and they have to get their noses in there to be able to get some rebounds. Well, let's talk about uh, one of those small guards. And Elliot Cadell, you know, a young freshman point guard, still kind of learning the position. What do you make of what you've seen from him so far as a freshman? Because I think, you know, some people are kind of wondering, you know, is, is he a guy that should be scoring the basketball a little bit more? But what do you think of, of his start? I like where he is right now. Um, in that Rafford game um, in particular, I remember there were a lot of passes that got tipped. Um, guys were jumping up because he was trying to make an effort to be able to spread the ball out. But, you know, as part, part of your development, once you start watching film, once you realize, like, you know, the high school game, you might have two seconds, um, two and a half seconds to make a decision. And that, that margin um, shrinks when you get to the college level, especially with the size and the length. Um, and with the versatility of some of these big guys, um, you, you, those some of those passes don't don't get through as they do in high school. But I love where he is. I can understand where people are coming from because when you have five star attached to your name, everyone uh, automatically goes to the offensive end. This guy's coming in a five star. He should be able to score the ball, but that's not his game. His game is yes, is he able to score the ball? He can. But the way that he passes the ball, the way that he uh, shifts, shifts the defense when he's throwing the ball ahead or throwing it to the opposite side of the court and putting his teammates in opportune situations to be able to score the ball, that's his game. And um, I love what he's doing. I love the way that he's sharing it because then once they're focusing on the other guys, he is able to score the ball, use his quickness to be able to get to the basket. The outside shot ha- hasn't been there. That will come. But what he's doing right now is using the weapons around him to be able to use his uh, his facilitating um, prowess to be able to get those guys involved. So I love where Elliot Cadeau is. Like I said, the outside shot, that'll come. All right. Well, Joel, we we haven't really gotten that controversial here on this edition of the podcast. But so I got to ask you at least one, okay? As someone right, that has his it. jerseys in the rafters in the Smith Center, would you be comfortable with Carolina changing the criteria to help make sure Armando Baycott's jersey gets up oh. in the rafters? Oh yeah, uh, see, I told you. Why did y'all have to put me in this position? <laughs> um, I did not write this question. I will say that. Who who wrote this question? Oh, oh this was me. This Yo. was me. Y'all are putting me in a hard, hard spot right now. <laughs> and, of course, he made me ask the question. He didn't even want to ask his own question. You see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how, that's how you do it. That's a smart man right there. <laughs> um, uh, man, that's hard. I just think, you know, where I'm coming from, there has been there have been so many – so many good guys that have come through the program that should be up in the rafters that mm-hmm. aren't in the rafters. Um, and from that standpoint, I think the criteria should stay the same. Um, you know, what Armando has done has, has has been very impressive, and I think he does deserve to be up there. 
Um, but to change the criteria for, you know, just him, I think that would be hard pressed when you look at the, the amount of talent in the, um, just the history that has come through Carolina. It'll be hard to tra- change that criteria. So, like I said, does he deserve it? Yes. But should we change the criteria just to accommodate him? I don't think so. When you look at the great guys that have come through the program, I hope I hope that's a good enough answer. Oh, Joel, I mean, I, I mean, outstanding answer. I, you know who will really like that answer? Well, the, the guy that would want to change, right? Theo, Theo would want that change, no doubt about it, right? Oh, yes, for <laughs> sure. I think, yes, he he would, he would, and I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised one day if we go up there, if we go in the D Dome and see his jersey up there. Because he'll go up there and put it up himself, even if it's his playing jersey. Oh man! Well, Joe, I mean, I I, I will apologize for asking you that question, but I thought I thought you were going to give us a great, insightful answer. Hopefully, Armando Baycott and the team achieves enough and meets the criteria, so he gets up there. Yeah, have some confidence, man. He's going to get up there. Right, right. Yes. Um, yes. I I I hundred percent agree with that. The only thing is, then that mean my. Our national championship, I have to slide over, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, of course, we, we, we're looking back at your playing days, but you're also in the broadcasting world, working over at ACC Network. You do a fantastic job. Always love uh, checking out you and the crew. You're also helping out on the radio side of things with the Tar Heel Sports Network. Growing up, did you always want to get into broadcasting, or is that something as you got into school and, and got around TV on a nightly basis that kind of your interest um i did not simply put i did not think i would be doing this um but i will have to say in high school my dad um i used to do training with a guy who uh spoke on the local radio news and um and i was just doing some stuff with him just to prepare not knowing that i would be in this position today um so i have to give hats off um, to him because uh, that was where it really started. And then once I got to Carolina and being at Carolina, you know, you're on front stage, you're on TV all the time. Um, and so it just organically happens. And then uh, once I stopped playing, you know, I th- I always wanted to stay around the game. I never knew how I would stay around. Um, and it just or, or that just naturally happened to where now I get a chance to do it on TV and I get to cover um, some of the best moments of these guys' lives and what I went through. Um, so didn't know I would be here, but I am thankful to the man upstairs for putting me in this position um, and, 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 and dictating my path because I love it. A man that you uh... – you work on the you, you work at the AC the ACC network with is Carlos Boozer, um, and Carlos yes. Boozer played at that school eight miles down the road. Wears a different shade of blue that we don't like here in Tar Heel country. What is that? What is what? What is y'all's relationship like? That does does the rivalry carry over to y'all behind the scenes? And um, you know what? What have you learned about working with him uh, so far at the ACC network? Well, first and foremost, I got to say, Booz is probably one of the nicest people that I've um, ever oh, came no. around. You're complimenting um, a dookie. To be, um, you know, it's 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 hard to say that from a, a, about a blue devil, but <laughs> um, I do have to say it because I spent so much time with him. Uh, just a genuine guy, and 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 I love it. The one thing that I'm so so thankful for is that we are not the same size. So if we do a bet and he wants me to wear. <laughs> 
a, a jersey of his or whatever. He, I can't fit in it. So, booze, I'm not wearing it. Um, so I'm very thankful about that. Um, I think one of the best moments, uh, for me as being in a rivalry is when we went over, um, they had us there on site for Coach K's last game and we, and we went in there and got the job done. Um, I don't like how Booze was looking and how he felt that last game because it was emotional. But uh, but if you're talking about the rivalry, I love that moment. But otherwise, outside of that, Booze is such a great guy to work with. <laughs> and we kind of like our Duke coworker too. You know, I'm Travis T Bone T Bone over here. We think he's all right, man. Right? Yeah, I mean, you want somebody to make a living, so you know, you got know, to be, be cordial. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Hey, look, man. Let's get let's get back to uh, this year, and let, let's let's focus kind of big picture on the ACC. Um, you know, look right now. You know, Duke a little bit of a slow start. Some people over there uh, a little bit concerned about where things have gone. You know, some uneven results for teams like Miami, Virginia, and you look at Carolina. I, I mean, I know they've got two losses, but it feels like uh, they might be the best two losses in the conference. Where do you think Carolina sort of stacks up right now in terms of that race for the ACC regular season title? Yeah, I definitely think they're in the top three. Um, I, I, you know, I think they're right behind Clemson. Um, I can't put Clemson out the top right now because they have played some uh, some unbelievable basketball here at the beginning of the season. Only team, you know, in the ACC that's undefeated at nine and zero right now. Um, you know, after that, I will put. I would put Carolina because to your point, there, you know, it's you look at the losses and I, I go a step further and I look at how they lost. And, you know, it wasn't a lack of competitiveness. It wasn't a lack of, uh, you know, not being able to score the ball. Like all of that was there. There were just, you know, two or three plays with, within the game that could have made the difference. Um, and uh, so the, the way that they're playing right now, I would definitely put them behind uh, Clemson at the number two spot. Uh, you know, you look at the other teams, Miami, um, they'll figure it out. They're going through some changes right now. You know, when you lose two guys um, to the NBA and the impact that they had on their program going to a Final Four, you're going. That's that's a lot that you're losing, and so you have to find. Um, you know, that's that's a change that they have to make. Um, so they're struggling in that way, and then Duke, they're struggling from the standpoint of having to play Filipowski at the five spot, not having that size in Derek Lively, um, and being able to put Filipowski at the four and have those mismatches. And so now Kyle Filipowski has to, you know, play on the offensive end, but he also has to be that rim protector. Uh, defensively, especially when Duke likes to pressure up and, and force guys to the rim. So, um, you know, there's a lot of adjustment here. It's not a panic moment for some of these teams. You know, it's still early, and they've gotten a chance to see um, where they are right now. But, you know, they still have these opportunities coming up here. You know, Duke has Baylor coming up. Um and so they really have some opportunities to be able to show what they can do. But like I said, I'll, I'll put Carolina at number two right now behind Clemson. All right, Joel, we'll get you out on this. Um, pressure was on Carolina entering the season after missing the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, expectations are always high in and around Chapel Hill. After a fast start to the season, what defines success for the 2023-2024 Tar Heels? 
Well, defining success is getting to the tournament um, after after last year. I think that would be a step in the right direction. Um, but I think for this Carolina team, I think they're feeling um, or they control their destiny. They're they'll be good as they as as much as they want to be because they have all the pieces. Um, only one spot, one guy that I want to see get going is Cormac Ryan. I think he is very crucial to this team with his sharp shooting and being able to add another um, another guy that can knock down the three from the outside. But as Jordan put it, I think the ceiling is the roof, man, for this team. <laughs> um, and I think they control their destiny. But like I said, you know, I, I definitely think they'll be in the top three of the conference. But getting back to the tournament, I think, is what everyone is hungry for. And there's no telling what can happen when you make it to the tournament. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joel. And that is the voice of Joel Bear. He is a former Tar Heel 2017 national champion. Now you can find him on the ACC Network and also doing some work for the Tar Heel Sports Network as well. Joel, man, look, we want to thank you. This was an absolute blast. And I think after today, we're going to have to do this again and talk some more Carolina basketball down the road in the future. Okay, my man? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Y'all got my number. Just hit me up anytime. <laughs> All right, Joel. We thank you, man. All right. Y'all have a good one. Well, there you go, guys. That was the voice of Joel Berry, former Tar Heel national champion, Final Four most outstanding player, doing some fantastic work over at the ACC Network, filling in on the radio side of things as, as, as uh, Eric Montross continues his battle with cancer. And that was a great, fun, insightful conversation. And uh, it's fair to say that after today, we'll have him back on the pod very, very soon. Well, with that, guys, this is this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com. Busy weekend for the website as Carolina has gotten active in the transfer portal on the Tar Heel or on the football side of things. Anthony has you covered with all the news and notes that will come out of the Keenan Football Center over the weekend. As for basketball, we have you covered with the Kentucky game previews, recaps, all that coverage and more. That's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any edition of the pod throughout the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Big thank you to Joel Berry once again for joining us. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Get any sweeter than that!